Lobby. Get him. It's a Brave Talk Radio exclusive here on TonyImahale.com. We're going both deeper and wider as we discuss the intricacies of relationships. So let's join the conversation. It's already in progress with author Colin Tate, Latonya Warsham, and yours truly, Tony Imahel. Is this your man? We've got Colin Tate with us, the author of Is This Your Man? That's a loaded question. And when it falls on your ears, oh, yeah, that's a loaded question. Is this your man? When it falls on your ears, depending on whose ears it falls upon, it falls just a little bit differently. It falls differently on the married woman's ear versus the single woman's ear. And in this day and time, on other ears as well, uh, in ways in which it probably should. So, Colin, (laughs) somebody else can read through the lines on what I'm saying with that. So, Colin, welcome, welcome, welcome to the broadcast. Welcome, Colin. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you so much, ladies. It's great to be on. Well, good to have you. Latonya, what's on your mind today? Well, you know, Colin, I'm going to tell you, my brother, you know, I had the opportunity, everybody who's listening, this is Latonya Orsham. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, this book had my head turning, but it also brought back some interesting memories as well. Mm. Needless to say... I want to know, most importantly, what came to mind that you felt this would be a great resource for men and women, for that matter? Great question. You know, as early as I was about 15 years old, I was always given women, or at least at that age, girls, advice about men. And as, you know, you get older, uh, you start thinking you have all the answers. And one thing I started noticing, ladies, is there are a lot of great relationship coaches out there from Rob Hill Sr. to, you know, Tony Gaskin, Steve Harvey's, um, you name them. But one of the things I was noticing is that we were only giving women advice from one perspective, and that was our own. And so when I started running into women who were dealing with abusive men, called the CEO in my book, or women who were running into baby boys or are chameleons, because I wasn't these men myself, I really didn't know how to help them. So I figured, let me go to the men themselves, figure out how they act, how they manipulate women, and once I'm able to get advice from them, I'll be more equipped to help certain women. Because the more women I can help, the better. And the thing is, we we men are so, uh, we are so simple. And once women understand how we operate, and once men understand that women understand, it will force us to change. That concept, and I read that in the book as well, really resonated with me because I think in the book you state that men will treat women how they allow themselves to be treated. So if we hold them to a a higher standard, then they'll kind of be forced to treat us at a higher standard. In your interviews, how did that become clear to you? Well, it's it's like this. When, When a man is not for you, the signs are always there. And I always tell women, when you're dealing with a man, there are two things you have to remember. Number one, you have to listen to what a man does, not what he says. Our actions, ladies, will tell you everything you need to know. And two, follow your instincts and ignore your emotions. The, the instincts are, are God talking to you. He's warning you to stay away from these red flags, but your emotions want you to, to ignore those instincts. 
And so when that happens, every single time we men are aware that we're not who we say we're going to be, we are, we are not for you, we are not honest. And, ladies, men, right. all, we know how to be faithful, we know how to be honest, we know how to be committed, and we know how to be caring and loving. We simply decide who we want to treat right and who we want to treat wrong. It's, it's really that simple. So if a man is not treating you the way you want to be treated, it's not because he doesn't know how. He's choosing not to. I even told a lady this morning who was in Las Vegas who was dealing with a similar situation. A man just wasn't uh, giving her the things she needed, and she kept making excuses for his excuses that, you know, Kyle, he's just not he's scared of commitment or Kyle, he just doesn't know what he wants. And I simply told her, if he was dating Beyonce knows, do you think he would have a problem giving her a phone call? Do you think he would tell her that I'm not ready for a relationship? Absolutely not. So it showed her that he knows what to do. He's just choosing not to do it for her. Yes, but there are six different men that we're talking about in your book. And if I can go ahead and say what those are, the total package, the online player, the baby boy, the CEO, the chameleon, and I believe there's one more, right, the BSer? Yes, the, the BSer. You got it. Okay, okay. And um, the most intriguing, I think, that, you know, some of us women have experienced, well, really some of all of them, but we want to definitely level the playing field because I'm curious as to how we can make women feel good about the men that are out there these days. They're, they're not feeling very positive about the pickings, if you will. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell tell men who 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 get on me or call into the radio shows I do and, and try to give me a hard time. The book is simply to, to warn you to stay away from versus the good men versus the bad ones. Because the great thing about it, there are a lot of good men out there. So this book is just to help you avoid the bad ones versus the good ones and also empower you with the knowledge to recognize if you were the good man versus the bad one before you invest too much of your time and heart. Because all of us men, we do tip our hand and show you what we are about. But, again, women keep giving us what I like to call the benefit of the doubt or uh, making excuses for our excuses or thinking things will change. But, no, they're, they're, you're right. When some women read this book, they do get discouraged. They think, oh, my gosh, are there any good men out there? Absolutely, there are plenty of them. But there are men out there who will be deceiving. There are men out there who will be manipulative. And some of these same men in the book who treated you know, one woman won't we'll turn around and treat the next woman like a queen. Again, we know what to do. Yeah. It's just about who we're going to do it for. I think that's a good point to bring up because I think, I think you're also very clear and pointed in this book as to trying to help women who may be fractured somehow in their relational process and giving them the tools that they need to understand what they've been through why they've been mm-hmm. through it, and a little something to nudge them forward to get beyond it. So in describing these men, you really help them to gain a better understanding. And I know you talk about that concept of happiness because, you know, being a woman and having gone through a, a period of dating myself prior to getting married, mm-hmm. women do as well as men look to other people in our relationships to bring about that happiness. And you said something key in your book. So share with us your perspective on happiness. Well, happiness is not another person's job to create your happiness. It's only their job to add to the happiness that's already there. So what I found with a lot of women and even men 
is that there's this void in their life, uh, and they're looking for a man or a woman or a relationship to fill that void. And what happens is when they're going about searching for love with using those tools, they end up picking badly every single time. And the reason I can speak about it so well because I was one of those guys that did the same thing. I was looking for women to help me feel good about myself or help me with my self-esteem, and it's just not another person's job. Only you and God can fill that void. And once that void is filled, then you start looking at men differently. So, you know, one woman told me that the men she used to be attractive to, she's no longer attracted to them. It's kind of like high school. The guy that you thought was so good-looking in high school, you look back on him now, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? And the same concept applies here. Once you get healthier, the man that was tall and attractive and had this, had this mentality, this, this attitude of, 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 of I, I don't really need anybody or, or the guy that you need to rescue, he's no longer attractive. Because a lot of women who have told me they're having a hard time finding love, they can always talk about these men that were in their life that would have treated them like the queen they deserved, but because the guy may have not fit a certain look or fit a certain height or fit a certain build to make them feel good about themselves, they ignored him. So that's the whole thing because I believe the reason all of us are single, men and women, we have to look in the mirror. Women have to stop blaming men. Men have to stop blaming women. We are the reason why we're single. That's interesting because, I mean, you know, Tony, I'm sure you and I would agree that, you know, when we're talking from a Christian perspective here, uh, you know, there are a lot of women, particularly in the church world or in the Christendom, if you will, that are saying things like there still aren't any good men out there to even choose from. So, you know, I mean, uh, how do I determine okay, so I'm I'm willing to come into this relationship, I'm happy myself, I realize another man can't make me happy, but how can I make sure that I'm running into a man that's not going to cheat on me, that's not going to uh, have me along with five other women in his life? You know, there's so many mm-hmm. different uh, things that they have to check off these days that they really don't know. I mean, women today are even having men investigated just to make sure that they're not dealing with a pedophile or a rapist for that, you know. For Absolutely. That. And, and, and that is key. Don't get me wrong. There are men out there who are deceptive, and there are men out there that don't have your best interest at heart. But the thing about us, we show who we are. It's like this, ladies. Being on a date or dating a guy is like playing a card game. You know, you're on, your, you're on the other side of the table. You have cards, and he has cards as well. And on the first date, guess what? He puts a card down, you put a card down. Then on the second date, he puts another card down, you put another card down. But what happens on that third or fourth date, you keep putting cards on the table, and guess what that man does? He hasn't put any more cards down. But guess what? You keep dating, you keep going, and you keep putting cards on the table. But if you would have waited, you would have known that the next card he was going to put down was, I'm just here to have sex with you. Or the next card he put down was, I just want to be with a physical relationship with you. So... The thing is, there is a gift in waiting because time reveals all men's true intentions. I repeat, time will reveal every man's true intentions. So I I tell women in the church that just because you have found God doesn't mean the work is now gone. Now that you're with God, he's just hoping that you can hear him clearly to still do the work that needs to be done to find your husband. Because if all you had to do was not have sex, there will be a lot more uh, women in the church that are married and with great relationships. (laughs) So celibacy is just, if you look at from A to Z, that's just F, if you will, of what it takes to find a good man. 
there are other things you still must do. And that just because you're saying I'm not going to have sex anymore doesn't mean the work that you need to work on yourself is, is all of a sudden evolved and you're just thinking that the man is just going to show up at your door. Giving sex too early is just a small piece of why you may still be single. I definitely agree with that. Oftentimes during those first dates and reading um, erroneous theology and messages that come from some of mm-hmm. these relational sources about, you know, 90-day rules and putting a time limit on the number of days that goes before having a sex with someone that you're not married to. I'm from the belief that you don't have sex with them until you get married. Now, has that always Mm -hmm. been my belief? No, it has not. It has always been a principle that has been taught to me. But Mm -hmm. sometimes women compromise because they are under that notion that all the man wants is sex, and if you can give it to him good, then maybe you can hook him in order that he will like it enough that he'll marry you. Mm-hmm. I notice that what you have here in one of your author's notes is it's not a man's responsibility in a relationship to be your therapist, father, preacher, shopping buddy, banker, or your everything. It's their job to just love you and support you. So yeah. what's the difference there? Because if a man loves me Mm -hmm. and he's in a relationship with me, either in a a relationship that's leading up to marriage or Mm -hmm. my husband, should he not be all those things to me because he loves and supports me and he knows that those are things that I enjoy doing? Well, see, there's a balance. When, When I wrote that author's note, those are for women that are looking for a man to be their world, when they're looking for a man to be their everything. And, I, again, I was guilty of that when I was dating before I met my wife, and it's just not another person's job to do that. And when you do that, it will suffocate the person. It will drain the person because it's just not their responsibility to be your everything. They're there to be your partner. They're there to love you. They're there to support you. But they're not there to be your entire world. And, and so what I, what I do when women are, are in that space, I tell them that, you know, you, I give them this analogy. You have a beautiful front yard. You have a beautiful house. But when you get to the backyard, it's, it's a mess. And it's, it's not a guy's job to fix that backyard. You have to fix that before he comes into the picture. So, it, again, it, that is for women and it's for men as well if they're looking for their, their partner to be their everything. Uh, I've met some women who want a child so bad because they're looking for that child uh, to fill a void that's in their life. And, again, only that person and only God can fill that void. If you look for other things to do it, whether it be a man, a baby, alcohol, uh, a job, you will still end up being empty at the end of the day. So let's take that because it's, it's much like the empty cistern that's talked about in the Bible. In, in your book, you talk about a leveling process because when you're looking to somebody to be your everything and essentially you're looking for them to fill that God-shaped void in you that only God can fill, which now mm-hmm. causes you to develop a level of insecurity. And then mm-hmm. you describe a process called leveling. Let's talk about yes. that. Well, and so leveling, it was very important for that CEO chapter because uh, the CEOs and, you know, Dr. Bruce in that chapter, they use leveling as a tactic. So if they meet someone who they perceive to be better than they are, they have to do things to knock them down to their perceived level. So that's why women deal with a lot of verbal abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, Mm -hmm. um, emotional abuse. 
or if they feel they can't do it in that way, then they have to, you know, bloviate themselves or make themselves seem superior. So uh, I actually spoke to a woman yesterday who's dating the CEO, and I told her the only gift this man has shown is that he sees the greatness in you that you don't see in yourself. And she said, what do you mean? I said, he was so afraid that if you ever get past that horizon and you see your true potential, that you're going to leave him. So you can't let that happen. So every time you think you want to, you know, better yourself or get another job or go to school, at first he seems encouraging, but once he sees that you're going to follow through, his fear will take over, and that's why he may hide your scrubs or that's why he may hide your car keys because he is afraid that if you realize the potential that you truly have, that you'll leave him alone. Hmm. So I guess there's a lot of intimidation that happens on the side of the man as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And, again, these, the reason that she kept being a target for these types of men is because in, in her particular case she was teased as a child and she had abandonment issues with her mother and father. And so she was, these men can, men can pick up on the insecurities. And, and I say that again, ladies. Men can smell and sense the insecurities, and they play off of them. So they can tell if a woman is very, very eager to get married. They'll play on that. They can tell if a woman is very insecure. They'll play on that. They can tell if a woman is financially insecure. They'll play on that. So, again, men, men only do what you guys allow. You guys have so much control. You know, I told my wife the other day, I said, men, we have the power to choose, but women, you have the power to accept. It's just like a job interview. You guys have the power to apply for any job you want to, but the company has the power to hire you. So who really has the power? And women, you guys have the power. You decide if we can kiss you. You decide if we can take you out. You decide if we can have sex with you without a condom on. You have the power. But once your emotions get caught up in it, and men, we know this, your power and your logic goes out the window. That is true. So true and so on point. Um, <laughs> during, yeah, during this yeah. first interview, we're really just doing an overview and actually laying the foundation for what is to come when we actually start discussing these six types of men. And just so the listeners are clear, we're talking about six types of men that women should avoid in dating. This is by no means trying to be a generalization of how all men are, but it's simply Mm -hmm. trying to heighten the awareness and enlighten the mindset of women when they're assessing men in which they're considering a long-term or even a short-term relationship with, with regard to different behaviors and commonplace behaviors, mindsets that they should avoid. Here's something interesting as well that you wrote in the book that I'd like to somewhat read and then have you summarize exactly what you meant by that. And okay. this is in the, in the chapter of where it all began. And you say that, When we were born, we are all new in the world and have no concept of hate, fear, insecurity, anxiety, or any other form of negative emotion, Mm -hmm. okay? It is the job of our parents to pour a certain amount of education, guidance, motivation, love, self-esteem, and self-confidence, compassion, self-worth, reliance, and independence into our empty cups. And then you go into an analogy about milk and how it evaporates over time. So on those bases, and I I didn't read that whole paragraph there, but just enough, Mm -hmm. when we were born, we had no concept of things, but over time, 
these things occurred in our lives and they have us to develop a certain mindset and responsiveness when dealing with certain things. You talked about the role of our parents. And now let's talk about that evaporation process that occurred from what our parents or the people who raised us put into us with regard to feelings about ourselves, our self-worth, our value, and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's one thing I noticed when I was doing a lot of these interviews uh, for the book and, and trying to get a concept of why do you keep running into these men. And, and that's one thing I found was that there were six, and I, I just couldn't understand over and over again what was going on. And so when I would interview women or when I would ask a question through, through Twitter or Facebook, I started noticing that there was a common theme to why one woman would tolerate a guy treat her so badly over and over again versus another woman that wouldn't tolerate it for one second. And there was always a common theme. There was either they were teased as a child, they have issues with uh, body image issues and have issues with how they look in the mirror. They have been through some form of abuse in their past, or they may have abandonment issues with mother, father, or both. And I found that in some cases it was, it was one, or in some cases it's all of the above. And there was, there was one young lady in particular, you just, just reminded me of her as you were talking. She kept asking me that, when men see her, they always say to her that she's mean or that she's so unapproachable or that uh, uh, she acts like she's angry. And she couldn't understand why because she said she's sweet as pie. But what happens is when men see you and they see a woman that has this, that, that expressionless look on your face, it's kind of like, not to call her out, but you know the uh, lady from Real Housewives of Atlanta, Nene Leakes, she kind of has that same look of, of being unapproachable. And I told her when mm-hmm. men see that, when men see that look, ladies, it, it, it screams, leave you alone. Because I'm sure some of you may have even had men look at you at the grocery store, stare at you at the mall, but never approach. Because every man, I don't care if it's Colin Tate, I don't care if it's, what's the guy's name, um, mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey, I don't care if it's Barack Obama, every man has had a woman cut him down like he is a homeless man off the street. So we, we found out that one of the reasons she had this wall up is because she was abused and because she was also teased as a child. So just to kind of piggyback about, uh, about that milk analogy is when that void is there and it has not been filled with love through God and through herself, a woman will, and men feel they have no choice but to find another mate to fill that void. But that void has to be filled. You cannot walk around with your cup half empty because that void needs to be filled through something. And if you are born into a situation where your mother wasn't there, your father wasn't there, or both, you're kind of behind the eight ball already. And so these men are preying on those situations. But I just love it when I'm able to bring clarity to women because they just couldn't understand the dotted line between what was going on in their childhood to the men that are continuously coming to their life. And that's the whole reason for writing this book is just to be a service to help women understand it's not all you. The good news is it's you. The bad news right. is you. But it also means that you're in total control of changing the situation. Exactly. And that's really good, Colin. I, I guess one of the things that come to mind is um, the segment where we talk about the uh, online player. I believe that's the uh, second gentleman we refer to. Yes. And, you know, he had a lot of insecurity, too. And, and the basis of him 
I remember uh, in the book the basis of him being the online player was because he he didn't know how to approach women. He didn't know how to uh, extend his offer to take them out because of so much rejection and not to mention he wasn't much of a dater. So when he finally did uh, try to do the right thing, he still ended up doing the wrong thing, getting feedback from men that were nothing but players. So, you know, it's amazing. And it also helps me understand, too, that women do these things as well. Uh, I know it's not just like we said. This is not a men-bashing opportunity by no means. But like Tony said, it's a means of helping people uh, understand uh, where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish here regarding men and women and their relationships. So on that note, we're going to go ahead and close for a minute, but I want you all to keep it locked here on the Take It to the Max Radio Network as we're having what I would call some brave talk today. So uh, keep it locked. We'll be right back. You are listening to Brave Talk Radio at TonyEmmaHale.com. W.E.B. DeBose said it best, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond imagination. It is our light more than our darkness that scares us. We ask ourselves, who are we to be brilliant, beautiful, talented, and even fabulous? But honestly, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Small games do not work in this world. For those around us to feel peace, it is not example to make ourselves small. We were born to express the glory of God that lives in us. It is not in some of us, it is in all of us. While we allow our light to shine, we unconsciously give permission to others to do the same. When we liberate ourselves from our own fears, simply our presence may liberate others. When the brave arise, an annual Women's Enlightenment Conference hosted by TonyEmmaHill.com. I remember this story of how I had this fancy car and every time I pulled up in it, my girlfriends would tell me how awesome it was from the outside and little did they know on the inside of the car to the right of me, the window wouldn't work. To the left of me, I can barely get out of the car. I would have to reach my arm out and allow myself to get out. Then suddenly, months later, the windshield wiper stopped working. Wow. Last but not least, the tires were just non-stop a problem. And then I had to have this imbalancing issue that was going on with my car. Let me tell you something. The Lord had to show me it's time to pull over to the curb and take a look from within. You know, he said, listen, you need to check some things out, little lady. Let me help you understand. You need to work on the inside out, the inside out, the inside out. You get it? 
You see, in Christ, he wants us to understand that in him, we live, we move, and we have our very being. God wants the best for you. But see, you can't just look the part. You've got to be the part. And you've got to understand that God wants the best for you. So we have to work on the inner man, and then we'll look good on the outside. you got to take care of what's a mess on the inside, where there's imbalance, and God is not pleased when we don't walk by faith, understanding that we must trust in him with all that we have from the inside out. God bless you. This is Latanya Worship with your empowerment today. Have a great day. Bobby, get him. It's a Brave Talk Radio exclusive here on TonyMHale.com. And we're back, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Is This Your Man? We're talking about today with Tony Hill and myself, LaTanya Worsham, and our guest, Colin Tate. We are going to definitely uh, look forward to coming back next week as we discuss the six levels of these different men. And, Colin, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. And I guess we're going to go ahead and basically give some more description. As Tony mentioned, we are basically just giving a foundation as to this book, how it got started, and some different things that we're looking forward to going in deeper and deeper depths as time progresses. So we want you all to join us next week. And until that time, thank you for tuning in. Tony, you have anything? Yeah, Colin, tell everybody how they can get a hold to this book so they can read ahead and join us in chapter, yeah, beginning literally in the, in the first chapter on next week. Perfect, perfect. Uh, they can uh, go to isthisyourman.com. Uh, my book's available on Amazon, uh, Kindle, and also available on Nook. Uh, so they can uh, purchase my book through those, uh, through those avenues. Okay, I know it's pretty simple for you all to spell, is this your man? But I want to make sure that if there's another copy that someone has written out there, you don't end up with that. So this is by Colin, C-O-L-I-N, Tate, T-A-T-E. It's your man.com. Get the book. Yeah. Uh, begin reading ahead. And literally throw a lifeline to someone else. Invite a friend to get the book. Read it together. Yeah. And join back in with us as we go through this book study and talking about really how to avoid some common mistakes that are made by both men and women in their relational selection. And Colin, talk to us about that lifeline. Yeah, the lifeline is basically about paying it forward. You know, I was I was speaking with a good friend of mine, uh, Kathy. She's a former FBI agent, and she wrote a book uh, called Dating Naked. And we, we just talked about how sometimes when women find their mate, they find their soulmate, they, they kind of forget to throw that lifeline to their friends. And that's my whole point of this book is once you understand the men to avoid uh, and you can figure out these clues and figure out what they're doing and you learn the apps that they use, please throw a lifeline through your single friends and just pay it forward. That is the key. Pay it forward. Be of service to somebody else. The more women we can help, the better. And the more women that change, trust me, men, we will have no choice but to change right along with them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, we can't thank you enough, Colin, for joining us. And until next week, we will be talking about, is this your man? (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to Brave Talk Radio at TonyEmmaHale.com.
Today's broadcast has been brought to you by Next Level Plus Project Management and Business Consultants. Learn more about how Next Level Plus can help you solve the right problems and seize the right opportunities by calling 704-780-2997 or visit their website at nextlevelplus.org.